Brothers and sisters, when I was at another parish, after Mass, a woman came up to me and said, Father, can I, can I talk to you? I have a question. I said, well, of course, of course. What is it? And she said, well, see, my son, well, he's in college. I knew immediately it was going to be one of two things. He'd either found a girl or he was losing his faith. And unfortunately, it was the second one. And she said, Father, he's asking so many questions. And I, I want to be able to answer his concerns. But Father, he's asking me about the end of the world. And I don't know what to tell him. Her son had started to look at how often the scriptures talk about the end of the world, both in the Old Testament and in the New. And her son, being a smart guy, looked around and realized, well, wait a minute, the world's still here. Well, so what's all this then? How are we supposed to take any of this seriously? There's all this talk about the end of the world. Of course, this young man's not the first one to ask these kinds of questions. Way back in the 19th century, there was a man, William Miller, who took the promises of the Bible very seriously and was convinced that the end of the world was not only coming, but Miller was going to be able to tell you the exact day the world was going to end. News got out, and people looked at his math. He had a whole calendar that he was publishing. And this, this is before Facebook and Instagram, so he had a really good publishing arm going for him to get all of this out there. And slowly, slowly, people started to think, like, well, you know, this makes sense. You know, the math checks out. The dates line up. And so they all gathered on a particular hill out on the East Coast early in the morning on October 22nd, 1844. They were ready for the second coming of Jesus. Well, I don't need to tell you that he didn't show up that day. It was such a letdown. That whole day became known as the Great Disappointment with capital letters. And this has always been the way with predictions of the end of the world. It always seems delayed. Oh, I got it wrong. It's, it's not this year. It's, it's next year. And when next year comes around, like, oh, I was wrong. It, it's five years from now. And every year the crowd gets smaller and smaller. What are we to make of these promises of Scripture? What are we to make of words like that of St. Paul, when he very earnestly says to the Corinthians, the time is running out. The world as we know it is passing away. Is Paul just overly enthusiastic? Is he just wrong? But I think it's important to remember how Paul saw things, how Scripture sees the world and time. Because we, living with the mechanics of the clock, think of time as a finite resource. It just ticks down. There are 24 hours in a day and 365 days in a year. Oh, except, except for this year, right? Because the 366, because it's a leap year. But, you know, very mechanical, very orderly, very easy to remember. 
But Scripture, the ancient world, it didn't have the clock. It didn't see time as this mechanical resource. Time was this living space of possibility. Something that could stretch and expand or shrink and contract based on what was happening. And the ancient world understood sun comes up, sun goes down, that's the day. They understood that there was a certain objective border to time. They called that in Greek chronos. But that living sense of time, the Greeks called that kairos. And kairos are those moments that seem to last, where time passes, but the division of minutes and hours no longer makes sense. It's when you sit down and spend that time with a loved one who you haven't seen in months and catch up, and a conversation that feels like it's been 15 minutes has taken three hours. That's kairos. And that, says Paul, that is the time that is running out. The kairos is running out. This moment of encounter, this living space of possibility is running down. Because what was begun at Jesus' proclamation, this is the time of fulfillment, this is the kairos of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Come, follow me. That's a limited time offer. Jesus wants all of us to come with him, but he recognizes that there is only so much time. And Paul is urging the Corinthians, urging us modern-day Corinthians, to remember that the time is running out. We only have so much time to encounter the Lord Jesus. Our response is expected. Repent and believe in the gospel. Come, follow me. Because to repent, as Jesus invites us to do, to follow him is to step into his time, into his kairos, into that moment of encounter with him. To set aside those clocks of sin and death that we live by, counting down those fearful hours that we have to try and grab some some wealth or pleasure or power to ourselves, Those ticking clocks of fear. Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? This is the time of fulfillment, says Jesus. Enter into my kairos, into my time, measured not by sin and death, not by fear or anxiety, but measured by mercy, by love, by the creative power of our Heavenly Father. And when we step into that kairos, we have stepped into the end of the world as we know it. Because we no longer live in a world defined by that tyranny of death. No longer live in a world defined by what we knew before. With the resurrection of Jesus, the great moment of kairos, the great time of fulfillment... All that we knew before has been turned on its head. Before the resurrection, death was the end of the story. That was it. You die, it's over. But if there is life after death, 
all the old rules are no more. There's no telling what's going to happen next. And so, says Paul, the world in its present form is passing away. And again, it's important to recognize that when Paul says world, he doesn't mean this ball of dirt that we're on. The word he uses is cosmos. The whole created order, everything that is, was defined by that clock of sin and death. And that old schema, that old order, that's passing away. There is a new time upon us, a new hour of grace that has begun for us if only we enter into it. We have moved from Kronos into Kairos. We have stepped into that fullness of encounter, into a new world defined by the resurrection of Jesus who wants us to live life according to his good news, his God spell, his gospel. And it is up to you and me to choose to live there. Because the world as we knew it ended with the arrival of Jesus. What that young man at that other parish needed to know, what, what those people looking to the sky in 1844 needed to know, what you and I need to know is this. The world has ended. The new world has already begun. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus invites us to leave everything behind. Yes, the nets of sin, but to leave behind even those old relationships in our lives and to find everything that we need in him. He wants us to follow him to the end of our old world of sin and into the dawn of the new world of life. The time is running out. The world in its present form is passing away. Come, says Jesus. Follow me.